listening to Arizona Good Business Radio, featuring unique stories with leaders who believe the community is a central part of doing business. Join us on the journeys of entrepreneurs, local businesses, and champions of Arizona who believe working together, we can build stronger communities. Good morning, everyone. This is Thomas Barr, Vice President of Business Development at Local First Arizona. You're listening to Arizona Good Business Radio. I'm a little caught off guard because that's the first time I've had a, like a really cool intro. So congratulations, Andy from ESI, for being the first guest with a cool intro for Local First. Talk about some walk-up music. My goodness. <laughs> I think I said when we were having that created, I was like, I want some like rock music, something like that. So yeah. I'm feeling good about it. Absolutely. <laughs> well, thanks for being here, Andy. Longtime member, longtime partner, Local First with ESI. I know you've been on a few shows in the studio before over here at Max 6, and people may have heard who you are and what you do, but let's remind them. What is ESI? Who are you? How long have you been with the company? Oh, well, thank you, Thomas. It's, yeah. such, a, it's such a delight to be here with you. Yeah, you're not going to see the ESI ad on the Super Bowl this okay. year. That's for okay. sure. So $7 million I know, every 30 seconds I, I saw. Yeah, yeah, that's <laughs> just a shade above our budget. Yeah. We were probably one of the best-kept secrets in Phoenix for being a bigger company. Our mission is really to try to help the staffing crisis that exists in schools and even in government. Mm. So we have two ways we do that through a retirement program where we help retirees return to work. And then uh, the big program for us is the substitute program. We actually help substitute educators Mm -hmm. uh, across all the different schools here. So ESI, educational services, but uh, we do serve a bunch of governments too. And all in, it's probably 8,000 employees or so. Wow. So we're super blessed that way. And Myself, I get sort of the best blessing of all that I get to be the uh, CEO of that company. And, mm-hmm. and it's an absolute uh, pleasure for me, for sure. Yeah. And you've always been super community driven, community involved, um, focused on just the nature of doing good business. Where does that come from? Wow. Where does that come from? So for me, I would say growing up way back there in Florida and having a time as a kid, where, you, where you're in this place where you're kind of getting to know the community and you see where you're at and you see all of these people that help you a lot along the way. Mm. And uh, I always envisioned that as I made my way through that, that I'd want to be, you know, one of those one of those kind of leaders that mm. really helped others. And I think uh, I owe a lot of that, too, to my family in the sense that they raised me to say that, uh, you know, service is sort of a reward in of itself. My grandfather was a pastor, so he uh, he always had that way about him. And I think maybe hanging around those sermons and such. It, okay. uh, it certainly infused that. So <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Sometimes when people ask what we do at Local First or what I do for my job, it sometimes it just comes down to we help people, you know? Yeah. And I feel similarly for what you do, you're, you're just out in the community helping people. So, yes. Yeah. Yes. Yes. And that's... Uh, that's probably the best part of the job because this kind of job, oftentimes companies these days, they see the power and purpose and mm. meaning. And uh, for some companies, it's a little bit of a reach, you know, maybe depending on the business that they're in, they have to sort of go, hey, we're raising money in order to support other organizations. But in our case, you know, again, to support educators, especially here in Arizona, built-in purpose mm-hmm. and meaning. That sure makes my job easy to tie that together and say, you know, when we wake up in the morning, we actually get to help people. And we get to help folks that maybe don't get as much love as they as they deserve. Yeah. And uh, for us, that's that's tremendous. Yeah. You know, it's a good place to be. I want to go and dig deep as we can into what you mentioned, which is um, the word crisis in talking about our teachers and school systems and that sort of thing. 
my family's, I've got a family full of teachers, sisters, a dean, cousins, a principal, a whole flood of aunts and cousins who have taught in the public school um, districts in the East Valley for my whole life. Um, and so I've seen it firsthand and hear, you know, about it on Christmas firsthand, everything going on. But I want to hear from from you. What are you seeing when it comes to in Arizona for teachers and uh, how do you help try to fill that need through what you do? Yeah, well, that's such a great question. Thank you. I, you know, this is one of those questions that, you know, when business people meet each other, right? It's that question, they how's business, you yeah. know? And my answer is always, business is too good. You know, it always shocks people. They're like, what are you talking about, Andy? Mm. Business is too good. Like, no, business for ESI, too good. Like, mm. and the reason for that is because, well, it's a combination of things. But right now, as we know, Arizona ranks, whether depending on which age group you're looking at, in elementary school, the teacher pay is around 50th. And for wow. high schools, it's 48th. You put those together, it's 49th, you know, but now we're just competing for last place, right? Yeah. So that doesn't help. And then we see just nationally, even outside of the pay situation here, distinctly in Arizona, there's not as many people that are entering the field of education. You know, the, the colleges, the education schools are sort of struggling to fill those seats. And Culturally, and I think this may have been due to COVID and other things, there's just been sort of a, a little bit of a shift where teacher, you know, being a teacher is like you sort of took the vow of poverty and it was okay because when you went to the grocery store, people were like, oh, you're a teacher. Wow, mm. tremendous, you know, mm -hmm, and especially mm -hmm. with your family of mm -hmm. educators, right? They, and now there's just a lot of friction out there, you know, and there, there's a lot of uh, tension. And so it, it, I think it creates additional pressure um, on the position. So, but to answer your question specifically, yeah, we're blessed to support the uh, the local HR group that actually supports HR uh, managers throughout the state, and that that group is called ASPA, so the Personal Association for that, and they do a survey twice a year. And ASPA has found that usually, on the average, we're we're looking at like twenty percent vacancies that just go unfilled. Mm. You know, even after everything that these school districts do to try to fill the full time positions, and so you have these vacancies, right? And it's not like the kids go away. Mm -hmm. So that means class sizes are larger, so on and so on. So uh, for us, the pressure's really on because in those cases, sometimes, you know, long-term substitutes are used or emergency certifications are used, things like this. And, and that really puts pressure on the system because ultimately we would love it if there were sort of more four-year degree holding educators that were holding those spots and every school district had 100%, you know, staffing. That would yeah. be uh, where we wish we were, but it, but that's not where we are as a state. Sure. Yeah. What a, com a complex place to be in operating a business, for sure. Yes, yes. So you, as a, as a leader and the, the president and CEO of the company, how do you center yourself within that? I mean, you're, you're operating in a space where there is a crisis going on. You're, you're filling a need as, as best you can, but it's got to be heavy to, to have that weigh on you in, in what is actually occurring, right? Yeah, it, it can be. It certainly is. I smile a bit. I know you and I, <laughs> a little I bit. We, we have, we have a, we have a common, you know, interest, the hobby yeah. on the side, right? A little yeah. bass playing. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So, uh, I know being a bass player yourself, right? Bass player here. And I always use that analogy that as CEO, I think one of the most powerful, uh, places to be is in a support position. So I look at everybody in front of me, the lead singer, so to speak, are the people that are really delivering the hands-on service. So whether it's with our least employees or whether it's with the clients of school districts, so on, they're the rock stars. Mm -hmm. I'm there to sort of set the beat, help lay out the vision, and then clear the way. 
And so while the wait is there, certainly, we're super passionate about it. I look at my job as really solely focused on trying to support my team. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of visioning that takes place that we have to lay out and say, hey, this is where we want to go. But after that, it's really about trying to clear obstacles out of the way. The best part of that is, like I said, we've got this built-in purpose of trying to serve educators. And so, you know, we've got that additional, you know, heart and soul that's behind us. And uh, I'm sure uh, much like the folks at Local First, right, it's it's hard not to, it's almost hard to turn the computer off because mm-hmm. you just want to keep going. Yeah, um, absolutely. That's, that's That source of motivation helps balance the pressure. Yeah. 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 So let's go back to the bass. Um, yeah. Where'd you learn to play the bass? <laughs> what kind of bass do you play? Because you don't just play the 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 regular strap on bass. You play stand up, don't yeah, you? Yeah, I do. I do play a little stand up, and that comes from oddly enough, for some reason, I love obscurity. Right. So I was a believe it or not French horn and tuba player through okay. school. So when I was one of those band kids. Uh, oddly enough, played football too. So like okay. put down the instrument, go out, play, come back, <laughs> grab the instrument. Halftime show. Couldn't give it up, you know. <laughs> and uh, oh yeah, it's fantastic. Um, but you find out real quick, there's only so many polka bands in the world. So uh-huh. okay. <laughs> there came a place where it's like, if I want to keep playing, I got to gotta play something fun. So I did meet somebody here in town. And I think one of my favorite stories of that is like a lot of us, you know, you show up the music shop, you see these instruments, you're like, oh, I want I want that one. And so, and then it came with two lessons. Okay. So I'm like, this is fantastic. I've got this electric bass. I'm going to, I'm going to learn it, you know, YouTube in it, like everybody, you know, this is great. And I show up for my first lesson and all these parents are there and they're like looking at me like, Hey, what's your kid play? And I'm like, <laughs> that's for me. And I show up and my instructor's there and the chair was like one of those, you know, from elementary like school chair. chairs. And he just looks at me. He's like, yeah, this is going to work. Man. He's like, <laughs> Here's my card. You know, I don't want to take business away from the shop, but you need a bigger chair. Um, and thank goodness, uh, uh, Sean Brogan's his name, fantastic jazz bassist here in town. Um, he uh, he instilled a lot of that. So while I was playing the electric, he's, he kept going, come to the dark side, you know. Mm. And as soon as I got a hold of that that big old bass and felt the physical nature of it, it just appealed to me. So it's so much fun. So do you currently still play? Do you play in a band or anything? I did. I'm a little tired this morning. We played a little fundraiser uh, yesterday as part of the whole open and some of these other things. So we were up at Troon and uh, raising some money for a great foundation. The band that I'm in is uh, Scotty and the Rented Mules. Cool. So we're we're not world famous. We're otherwise known as Arizona's best half-ass band, which (laughs) totally makes sense. We do. We play for fun, a lot of charity work, and uh, it's a blast. It's good well, balance. we're going to have to get you guys out at the Fall Festival next year. Uh-oh. That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> that's trouble. That's trouble. No, that's awesome. That's yeah. awesome. So as you mentioned before, we have that connection. I've played the bass, too. I played a little bit more harder in punk rock bands and things like that with my electric bass, but I've always felt like that, just like you said, keeping the beat. It's that instrument in the background that keeps things flowing, keeps things going. And that's kind of how I've I've related a lot to that and how I conduct business and how I uh, do work in the community. You just kind of like keep it going, keep it flowing. Do you experience similar? You you relate to how you play music to how you do business at all? Yes. Yes, absolutely. And you, you've got it. I think uh, for the guitar players out there, they look at us bassists and they're like, man, that's such a grind. Like you guys play the same notes over and over. And, and that, that I think is the beauty of, of business is that, uh, to be successful, 
it really takes uh, longevity and persistence. And so I think in terms of the lessons that I learned, especially those early days, right? You remember playing, you're just like, oh my God, this is awful. (laughs) (laughs) You know, you get to this place where you realize like, that's what it's about. And and I think, uh, especially in the roles that, for instance, ESI is in, or even local first, right? These are hard problems that we're trying to solve. And it takes time and it takes persistence. And gosh, 20 years, right? 25 for us this year. Wow. But I feel like we're just getting started. Yeah. And for a lot of, uh, let's say, shredding guitar players, they'd be like, oh my God, I'd be so bored, right? <laughs> but, yeah. No. But the, for hard problems, that's what it takes. You know? Totally. Totally. Yeah. I love that. I love that. Yeah. Well, I wanted to ask you a question because, gosh, maybe within the last year, you had reached out to our CEO, Kimber, and I asking for an introduction to, and I can't remember who it was, but I remember it turned into like something like really cool for ESI. Could you bring us back to that introduction and what ended up coming from that? Do you oh, remember yeah. what I'm talking about? Yeah, and you don't mind me raving about you. No, 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 and, and not is... not to rave about us. Yes, Literally, it was just yes. a simple intro, but I thought it was a really cool like connection that you were able to make it turned into something really cool. Oh, absolutely. It was, uh, and, I, and I say this to rave about you in the sense that uh, anybody who is not sure, like, what's this local first? Like, how can they help you, right? This is a distinct example of how to do this. So you're right. We have one small piece of software that actually bolts together our entire operation, across 160 clients. And Mm. so if you can imagine school district users, different varying degrees of, you know, expertise there. And so it's a challenge for us. And uh, we, this thing had been getting, getting some age to it from when we put it together and we needed somebody to help us update it and, you know, maintain it. And, um, you know, that's the the trouble with development and software development is is it's a huge world out there. Right. And so for us, just like you and, uh, you know, values and and uh, sense of purpose are really important to us. And so we like to do business with other good businesses. And uh, so, yeah, I reached out to you. We're like, hey, we, <laughs> there's a million developers, but how do we find the one that's like, like us, yeah. you know? And that's exactly the introduction that was made is this beautiful group, uh, DISCA. Uh, Chad Bellin uh, and his, his small team um, was the perfect fit for us. In cool. fact, uh, not only do we have a great piece of software, we've got a bunch of new friends. Uh, they're fighting the good fight on the software front. And then on top of all of that, they even were able to use uh, their work with us as a uh, sort of a case study to say, hey, this is how companies can work together. You know, in software, it's it's just raw. With, it can be yeah. tough. It can be yeah. really tough. But in this case, not only were they really experienced, our team just worked together, just gelled. And uh, I can say that that is just that piece of software is so important to us, but it is so much better now. That's so, awesome. Yeah. That's super yeah. cool. It's great well, referral. Yeah. No, I mean, yeah. I feel like that's that's what that's just what we do. Like, yeah. <laughs> we just try to get to know as many people as we can that are local and build connections. And I mean, that's that's the gist of it, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. It's so crazy how often there's a weird connection or somebody that I run into that's like connected to somebody else. And I'll tell you a, a really crazy story really quickly. So my wife and I went on, we, once a year, we usually take like an Arizona trip. We'll go to a rural town, you know, stay the weekend, something like that. <clears throat> we hadn't been back to Cottonwood for like eight years. And I've been because, you know, of work and stuff, but it is just transformed. There's a whole, you know, Maynard Keenan from Tool has his whole restaurant on the hill now, and the Tavern Hotel is expanding. It's really it's awesome. So we yeah. booked a little room and stayed there for the weekend, took the Verde Canyon Railroad, which if you haven't taken the Verde Canyon Railroad, you, you've got to get up there. Awesome. 
we're on this railroad, just having a good time, sitting back, enjoying the scenery. We walk outside, and there's a little tour guide there. His name's Larry. Start chatting it up with him. My wife's talking to him while I'm looking in the distance. Come to find out, this guy grew up in Avondale. So we start to dig in. I was like, oh, well, my mom and all of her siblings uh, grew up in Goodyear. And he was like, what high school? And I was like, Awafria. He was like, I went to Awafria. Uh-huh. <laughs> I was just like, all right, when did you graduate? Like, let's connect things here. Turns out his family owned the old Texaco gas station in Goodyear while they were growing up. His younger sister graduated Awafria High School with my aunt. And my uncle ended up buying the home that they had lived in down the street after they grew up. So I'm just like, okay, this is like the wildest thing ever. But I kid you not, that happens all the time. Wow. (laughs) It happens all the time because it's things like this where I just get to know people. And then I find out there's like some weird connection. And then, hey, like, let's connect you together. And it just happens all the time. Isn't it it amazing, right? Fifth largest city or whatever we are at this point. And you're like, it's the biggest little town there is, you know? (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) So I wanted to ask you also, you're, I mean, CEO of a company, president of a company, you've got, what was it, 8,000 people working for you, but you always show up to community events. Um, Why is that important to you in running the business? How is being involved with organizations like Local First or other organizations that you belong to, why is that important as a focus in running ESI? Yeah, I think it all kind of comes together, right? It's, it's part of their, you know, it's so easy, especially when you're busy in a company, right, to just get so inwardly focused. And uh, I think the idea, and I love the way uh, universally that business is moving in the direction of, of uh, you know, of being conscious, you know, and I know we've got the conscious capitalism movement, we've got Local First, so many others, but this idea that business can be more and even the intersection that we see in people's lives and their work lives. And now with remote work, right, it's like in the hybrid work. And now, like, work is just infusing in people's lives in other ways. And we're starting to see that there doesn't have to be a clock that gets punched and a whistle that blows and you walk in and you bring your lunch pail and then you walk out. And that was certainly in the industrial era of American history. Made a lot of sense. And now we're in a phase where it's like you know, it's almost the only way to survive is sort of to – embrace this idea that it's it's a life it's not work life it's mm-hmm. just a life mm-hmm. and so mm-hmm. uh it, it is so easy to uh be excited about what we do every day at esi and then just transfuse that into an outward stance too is to say hey uh you know you want to know the best secret to economic development education you know yeah. a dollar in education yeah. is going to go so far so when i have an opportunity to meet the folks in economic development right that's always the message or yeah you know hanging out with you guys and saying hey local and then trying to live that, you know, I learned so much from those uh, mixers, even from some of the events where I'm like, oh, here's here's somebody else we could use or here's another pivot we could make to even become more local. Yeah. All of that just feels great. And then it really gets back to if we're going to be so bold as to say, you know, even in ESI, our life is about service, mm-hmm. then it kind of has to be about service. So yeah. you, you kind of have to do that in all sorts of aspects. And our mission statement is, uh, you know, with heart and integrity, we serve those who serve others, right? So it, it, integrity is a dangerous word because you put that out there like, no, no, you got to live, live up, up to, to that, it. Yeah, right? You yeah, know? Yeah. So it just really fits together in the sense that if that's the direction, there's a resonance that happens when you see others that also are in that space. And um, that's certainly what Local First provides for me is being a part of a community that, you know, wants to go beyond – the business, you know, yeah. and get personal. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I love that so much. 
Well, we've appreciated having you as a member and a partner for so long. And one of the events that you are a big part of is the Arizona Good Business Summit, which we've got coming up. <clears throat> I know yes. you're a sponsor again this year, and we're really excited. We've got Anand uh, Girdhadas coming out as our keynote speaker. Why is that event important to you as well? What have you gotten out of that? And what are you excited about for this year? Yeah. Oh, my gosh. It's uh, to say that I'm excited about that is an understatement. So just just one small example was like last year, this beautiful panel to work with people that were looking at all sorts of ways to sort of solve even the, the sort of the income inequality situation that, that exists. And, you know, one of those great contacts, one of those people on the panel was talking about employee owned companies. And I didn't mm. know anything about those transitions or how that works. And just as a part of that, that helped me. And then as I ran into other business owners, it's like, hey, have you heard of this thing? You know what this employee owned company idea is? I mean, a lot of people would, maybe if they shop at Winco, they might be like, oh, I've seen that. What is yeah, that? You know, yeah. and just that one concept. And then that opened my eyes to this whole other side of uh, corporate structure, which is taking hold out there. And I yeah. see, oddly enough, a lot of folks, it would be surprising to hear that a lot of people in construction, HVAC services, things like this, uh, because of the tax advantages and all they can go, wow, if I shift this over as the owner of this successful you know, HVAC company and yeah. make it employee owned, oh my goodness, like this can change my tax situation and be lucrative for me. Plus... Now it's not just a home that somebody can own. They can own part of a company yeah. and that can change the trajectory. So that just that one example of being able to moderate a panel where I met this wonderful person, I'm like, oh my gosh, like it just opened my eyes to that. And now as I make my way around and meet people that are like, hey, yeah. I've got this business. I'm not sure what to do. And boom. So yeah. I, you, if you attend, you're going to learn something. And the best part of it all is everybody there is kind of lined up with those same values and principles. And that's, cool. uh, that's a wonderful thing. Well, I'm glad that that's what you're getting out of it. That's obviously our intentions is to bring people together that are looking for solutions, looking to address challenges. I And I'm glad you brought up the employee ownership point. And I did not plant that idea. So you <laughs> listening, I did not tell him to say that. But the employee ownership piece is so cool. Because if you think about we talk to businesses all the time, like, how can I have a competitive edge against, you know, a lot of these large businesses, large non-local businesses that I'm directly competing with? And one of the ways that we always reinforce is how you treat your employees really matters. Like, <clears throat> you know, creating a, a solid work environment where they come to work every day and they're proud to be there. And a deeper way that you can strengthen that is through considering how to potentially transition to being an employee-owned company. I was just I just had a meeting this week with a gentleman from Ohio who runs the Employee Ownership Network in Ohio, and they've helped um, establish over 300 employee-owned companies, was telling me the story of this business in Tucson, small IT company, eight or nine employees, I believe they had, and there was another IT company in Tucson that ended up buying them out, and that company was employee-owned. So the smaller company, all of those employees, not only did their salaries raise when they got purchased by this other local company, they um, had four times their annual salary put into a retirement account. So wow. you can imagine if you're making wow. you know $50,000 a year, 
you've got 200,000 now in your retirement account. Like that's yeah. super cool. So a lot of good things can come from it. Um, wealth creation, um, keeping dollars in the economy, of oh course. Gosh, yeah. So super cool concept. Yeah. yeah. It just changes the trajectory of people's lives. It really can. So yeah. that just that one little piece. But the other thing I find about good business summit is, uh, um, which is funny after you're here, I got, I got to talk to you about it because yeah. we got to buy so many tickets. Right. But I would say that, uh, again, it's great for president, CEO, whatever to show up, but I also encourage many of my team to come along. Yeah. And, um, that's, what's fun is they, again, day to day, they're like, oh my gosh, we're making a difference in everything. But to bring them out of the trenches and say, Hey, look around, like you're part of this bigger community of people that are making a difference yeah. worldwide. It can be real eye opening. So, yeah. uh, even if you're not a business leader, come on out, you know, come see everybody. Cause you're going to feel a part of a family that, uh, you may not know is as big as it is. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Well, yeah. thanks for saying that. Thanks for being here. Thanks for being a great partner of Local First. Just proud to stand with you and do this work together. So thanks for all you're doing in the community. Any last words, anything to leave people with and how they can support ESI or uh, get connected to you? Yeah, just uh, again, thank you, Thomas. And of course, uh, to Kimber and the entire Local First team. The family keeps growing there too. Yeah. Love to see it. <laughs> and uh, as far as ESI, yeah, like I said, we're, maybe we're a little less of a secret now, but please, uh, if you ever would like to reach out, LinkedIn's great anywhere. Look us up right up there in Scottsdale. We love to meet other people here in the community. So love thank it. you so much. You got it. Or come out to what the Good treat. Business Summit. That too. See Andy and his team April 16th. <laughs> we're going to be in Tempe at the Arizona Heritage Center from about nine to three. And like I mentioned, got a really great keynote speaker out this year. And we're going to be announcing more speakers and agendas soon. So check it out, localfirstaz.com. Thanks for joining us today. We'll catch you next time on Arizona Good Business. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Arizona Good Business Radio with Local First Arizona, where entrepreneurs and local businesses come together to build stronger communities. We hope your business is inspired to take part in building a better Arizona. 